0: joining us today here at Victory. At Victory Church, we are a community of authentic, Spirit-led Christ followers transformed to walk in victory. Join us as we begin today's message. Man, it's good to worship with you guys. So good to worship with you. And if you're, if you're here for the first time, uh, last week we just wrapped up a series in the book of Judges. Um, if you weren't here for that, if you'd like to go back and listen, um, there's several different ways that you can do that. You can go on, you can look online, you can look, we've got, for those of you that have been here for a while, you know about the church app, available Apple or Android, you can go on there, you can listen to it there. Yeah, <laughs> someone is flashing at me, there you go. Um, it's awesome, isn't it? it? There's a lot of cool things on there. It is, and so you can listen to it that, uh, that way or through the podcast. So we just wrapped that series up, and this week we're we're kicking off a brand new series um, on the life of Samuel. Okay, the life of Samuel. It's gonna be very brief, just a quick two week series. Um, uh, I'm gonna be obviously I'm gonna be preaching the first one. That's why I'm up here today. That's that would make sense, right? Um, so I'm going to be preaching today, and then next week, I talked about this before at the announcement time. I think everybody was in here, but just in case, uh, next week, me and my lovely bride, we are not going to be here. We're going to go on kind of a little bit of a, a weekend getaway, um, just me and her, no kids, so pray for us. It's going to be a rough time, uh, but somehow we'll we'll get through. But uh, of course, all jokes aside, we're, we're looking forward to that. We'll miss you guys. We'll be back the following week. And while I'm gone, Ken, um, one of our elders here at the church, he's preached here several times. He's going to be preaching the second sermon um, in this series to wrap up the, the series on Samuel. And so before we dive into this series, if you're kind of wondering, you know, who is Samuel? I've heard of this guy. I know he's some kind of a prophet or something, but, but who exactly is this guy? And, and to, just to kind of give you a snapshot, just so we kind of understand who this guy is, this guy, um, he was just an incredible hero of the faith. Just a giant of the faith. Not perfect, like raise your hand if you're perfect in here. No perfect people, I should bury my hand in the ground, right? Like no perfect people here, nobody's perfect other than Jesus. But this man was, was obedient, he was faithful. His life was really marked by relentless obedience. That's the, the name of this, this series, Relentless Obedience. To God. Um, Samuel was, was faithful to God regardless of what anybody else did, uh, regardless of what the world around him did. And even as a, a little kid, which we're going to be seeing today as we dive into this, his life as a, as a little kid and, and even before that, we're going to see that this guy loved the Lord, man. He loved the Lord. He trusted him. He was faithful. And he looked at obedience to God. Catch this. He looked at obedience to God as an opportunity, not as an obligation, as an opportunity, not as an obligation. And my prayer for us today as we dive into the life of Samuel is that we will, similar to Samuel, we will grow more and more in love with the Lord and that we will start looking at our acts of obedience, our acts of faith to the Lord as opportunities, not as obligations. And so um, just uh, just kind of a heads up, every single week what we do um, after the, the sermon, we have a time of response, called like a response time. Uh, some churches call it a time of invitation, just an invitation to respond. That's what it is. And, and so uh, we're going to have that today like we do every single Sunday, okay? And today I'm going to be standing here at the front. Um, If you are here today and and you uh, don't know the Lord, if you've never made that commitment to Christ as your Lord and Savior, uh, never responded to the gospel message, which is simply in four words, the gospel is Jesus in my place. Jesus in my place. So if you've never responded, never made that commitment to Christ, you're going to have that opportunity to do that today, okay? I highly encourage you to do that. Does that mean that you can only do it after like a sermon, after someone preaches a sermon? No, you can do that. That's the amazing truth of the gospel. You can do it anytime, anywhere. Jesus meets us where we're at. But this is an incredible time to be able to do it because you can get prayer. If you have questions, you can get that answered, and we want to walk this journey with you. All right? And something else too, and I say this a lot, is that response time, listen to me, it's not just limited to salvation, it's every single one of us. Every single one of us are going to have the opportunity to respond today, and I highly encourage every single one of us to respond in some way. Because here's the thing, God is speaking to us. He's speaking to every single one of us, and that's actually the focus that we're going to be honing in on today. The big idea today is this, Jesus wants to speak to you. Jesus wants to speak to every single one of you, every single one of us. And the question that follows with that is, are you willing to listen? Jesus wants to speak to you individually. Are you willing to listen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the fact that you you are speaking to us. I pray that you would help us to, to understand that, that that if we start talking about the fact that you want to speak to us, that you are still speaking to us, that you would help us in turn to listen to you. That you would help us to listen and then you would help us to respond to what it is that you're saying to us. Because you're speaking to every single one of us right here, right now. And, and God, we thank you for that. We thank you for the gospel. Um, This central theme that we gather around, that we talk about, everything that we talk about is centered on this message. Even the the Bible as a whole is centered on this message, the gospel message, Jesus in our place. And so it's only possible because of what you have done, Jesus. And I, I pray that your name is the only name that is exalted, that is lifted high in this place today. And I pray that as we leave that that we would grow more and more in love with you, that we would look at obedience as an opportunity, not as an obligation. For those of you that are, that those that are far from you, that don't know you. I pray that you would bring them into a right relationship with you, which which we surrender to the fact that it's only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would you would convict, that you would perform that miracle that only you can of salvation in this place today. Well, we just thank you so much. We thank you for the fact that for those of us that have responded to your gospel, that we can be called children of God, that we are your children, that you love us, that you are our loving daddy, and that you want to speak to us. You want to have a relationship with us. And I pray that you would help us to open ourselves up to that, to listen to you and to respond to you and move in your direction all the more. We thank you, we praise you, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen amen all right so quick heads up just want to give you guys a heads up from the get-go again this is a quick series two-part series so this week especially we got a lot of ground to cover Okay. Uh, next week, not as much. It's going to be just kind of part of, of one chapter, chapter seven. Uh, but this week, this we're actually going to be bits and pieces in like three different chapters. All right. So I want to give you the heads up um, uh, from the get go. So if at any point you start to kind of feel a little bogged down, like, dude, this guy's all over the place. Listen, just remember we've got the text up on the screen. All right. So if it's getting too crazy, you're trying to keep up, just don't worry about it. We got it up on the screen. Um, so whatever you have, whatever you brought, if you got the physical copy in your hand or if you've got the church app um, go ahead and break it open don't break it just break it open turn it um, or click the buttons whatever you got to do whatever means you've got to get to first samuel uh, we're going to be kicking it off chapter 1 verse 18 so first samuel chapter 1 verse 18 as you guys are turning clicking whatever you're doing to get there let me kind of give you a little background to kind of set the scene all right before we we dive in, because we're going to be diving into verse 18. So the first 17 verses, we see a few things happening, and the main thing that we need to kind of pay attention to is we're introduced to a woman, and this woman's name is Hannah. And a couple of things that we need to understand and, and know about Hannah before we, we dive into the life of Samuel is this. For one, this woman, like her son Samuel, was a giant of the faith. And she, again, not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Jesus is the only perfect one, right? Right? But she loved the Lord, she was obedient, she was faithful to him regardless of anything else. Right? She was faithful. But the second thing that we need to know about Hannah, right off the bat, is the fact that she was barren. Okay. And when I say barren, I'm not saying she's the red barren. Okay? She's not like a pizza or like a fighter pilot. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying she was barren means she couldn't conceive. She couldn't have kids. All right. And um, back in that day and age, especially... Uh, culturally speaking, for women, this was a huge kind of like an identity marker for them, much, much more so than even in this society. Huge. Like she was she was made fun of over this, um, and, and on top of the fact that she just she wanted her own baby and she couldn't have one. And so this was a big deal. This was a huge struggle for her. And in fact, the text tells us it's, I believe the translation actually is the ESV. Um, it, it, I love reading through different translations. The ESV says she wept bitterly wept bitterly over this and it almost like when i read it, it almost like parallels this scene with jesus in the garden of gethsemane where he is just weeping bitterly and crying out and that's what she's doing she is struggling with this and she is weeping like these huge tears and crying out to god burying her soul to him and telling him what her need is and then she makes this request, kind of this promise to God. She says, look, if you, God, if you will give me a son, if you'll bless me with a son, then I will dedicate him to you for." life and what that would mean is that he would go to uh, the tent of meeting the, the temple hadn't been built yet at that point in time they had the tent of meeting so he would go she would dedicate him to the lord he would go he'd be raised by the priest the tent of meeting and he would uh, help them to serve the lord there that's what that means okay so she's crying to god she's praying to him and we're going to catch up kind of at the back end of her prayer uh, this is verse 18 again first samuel chapter 1 verse 18 this is the end of her prayer may your servant find favor with you, she replied. Then, catch this, then Hannah went on her way. She ate and no longer looked despondent. So pause there for a second. So what this is saying is this woman bore her soul to God. She was struggling. The struggle was real for her. She was crying, weeping bitterly over this And after she makes her request known to God and weeps over this, she then gets up and she doesn't continue mourning. She doesn't continue mourning. Like the text doesn't say that she got up and she was depressed or she had this woe is me victim type of mentality, right? Or went away feeling hopeless which unfortunately for for so many of us, and when we're dealing with hardships and struggles in life and we bear our soul to God, we cry out to God for help, like, God, please help me with this. I'm struggling. I'm going through this difficult time, whatever it may be. So often what we do is we in turn get up and we go away. Rather than trusting in God, trusting He's going to provide, trusting He's a good, good dad, He's going to meet all of our needs, we go away depressed. We go away feeling hopeless. We go away feeling... You know, like, uh, woe is me, victim mentality, you know, uh, this is horrible, I can't believe this. That's how we so often, so often will respond after we cry out to God for help. Like, like we say that we trust Him. We, we say that He's good. We say that, oh yeah, God is good. God is good, right, all the time. And we put on this mask, like, God is good, everything's good, right? And, and He's going to provide, but we go away feeling empty, feeling depressed, with this victim type of mentality. So often, see, we say these things like we trust God, but our actions, especially when we're struggling, especially through the trials, our actions say otherwise. But not with Hannah. Not with Hannah. See, Hannah put words to her actions. And it's not like the struggle went away. I'm not saying she swept it under the rug. It's not like the struggle went away. But listen to me. When this woman got up, she didn't get up. She didn't like loathe in her depression, go into this vortex of depression and, and this victim mentality. She was able to get up and walk away in joy even through the struggle. Even through the struggle. And it kind of begs this question of how. Like how was she able to do that? And here's how. Because she knew that she didn't have to carry that burden anymore she didn't have to carry that weight that struggle around anymore because she had placed it into the hands of her maker she placed it into the hands of god and that's why when we get to the verse 19 it says this it says the next morning this is the very next morning um elkanah that's that's her husband by the way and hannah got up early to worship before the lord in other words in other words this woman had the freedom to worship God even in the middle of her struggles, in the middle of her hardships. This is the very next morning. She was able, she had the freedom to worship God. Why? Because she wasn't bogged down by her struggles. She wasn't bogged down by depression or by a lack of faith. See, this woman trusted the Lord. And because she trusted him, she was able to look at worship to him as an obligation, I'm sorry, as an opportunity, not as an obligation. She was able to look at worship as an opportunity, not as an obligation. And so when she worshiped, she was able to gladly worship him. And this is what's important. It's in the middle of the struggle. In the middle of the struggle before the prayer is ever answered. Check out what happens after this, verse 20. It says, Afterward, they returned home to Ramah. Then Elkanah was intimate with his wife, Hannah and the Lord remembered her. After some time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel because she said, I requested him from the Lord. Now, now guys, listen, through this text, don't miss the order that things happen, in, okay? Like, because so often what happens is when we're going through struggles, through hard times in life, what do we do? we cry out to God, we, we make our request known, God please help me, I'm struggling, and then what we do is we wait until the prayer is answered, and then after the prayer is answered, we'll go and we'll praise him, and we'll worship him. And, or, or sometimes what happens, and I, I've seen this so many times, and um you know i'm not talking about just this church i'm talking about it's all over the place man like where what will happen is people will cry out make a request known to god like god please i'm I'm struggling please help me and then what happens is people that haven't been in church for a long time whatever they start showing up to church they start praising god raising their hands hey god is good god is good And, and and then the prayer is answered and then what happens they leave they leave why is that it's because it wasn't genuine because they were just trying to really use God do XY and Z a workspace salvation in order to use him to get what they wanted. It's almost like they were they were using God as their like own personal cosmic vending machine, which we talked about a few weeks ago like in the Judges series, uh, using God as our own personal cosmic vending machine. The problem with that is here listen to me. The problem with that is God is not our cosmic vending machine. He's the God of the universe, right? But so often that's what happens or usually again it's we pray we wait until the prayer is answered and then we praise him. Then we worship him, right? With joy. But not Hannah. Hannah what does Hannah do? Hannah makes her requests known. She's crying out. Not sweeping this under the log. This is a big deal. This is a struggle for her. And then in the middle of the struggle, she worships him. She praises him. And then after that, after she praises him, the prayer is answered. After she praises and worships Jesus. And it begs the question of why? And how was she able to do this? How was she able to honestly praise him? And she wasn't praising him to get something from him. She was was glad to praise him. She was praising him out of joy, not out of obligation. So how was she able to do this in the middle of the struggle? The reason that she was able to do this, hear me on this, is because she knew that the answer to, to contentment and to fulfillment, satisfaction, peace, joy, hope, the answer to those things could not be found in anything in this world. It couldn't be. And and as much as she wanted a baby, what she wanted a baby fiercely, man, again, I mean, she is weeping over this. This is a big deal. This is also an identity marker. She's made fun of by this because of this. And so this is a big deal. But she knew, regardless of how much she wanted a baby, she knew that those things could not be found in a baby either. She knew that the only one, that could give her the fulfillment, the contentment, the peace, the satisfaction, the, the, the identity that she longed for wasn't is God. It was only God. And guys, listen to me, the same thing is true for us. The same thing is true for us. It can only be found in God, in Jesus Christ. And it's only when we let go and we let Jesus realizing that he is the only one, the, the, ultimately the one that our souls truly long for, that he's the only one that can bring us the satisfaction, the peace, the joy, the things that we're longing for, even in the middle of our struggles when we think, I need this. I gotta have that. I gotta have this. Gotta have, I have to have this healing. You have to you know, help me with this struggle. You gotta help me with my finance. You gotta help me with my marriage. You guys, listen to me. Yes, those things are important. I'm not saying sweep them under the wrong, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, what our souls long for and what our souls need more than anything else is him. It's him. That's what Hannah knew. And the same thing is true for us. And that's why she was overwhelmed with joy before the prayer was ever answered. And so in this scene, Hannah gives birth. She names him Samuel. And then check out what she does next. We're gonna I told you we're gonna be skipping around. This is the end of verse 24. Still chapter one, uh, the end of verse 24. It says, Though the boy was still young, she took him to the Lord's house. At Shiloh, so in other words, Hannah kept her promise. Remember the promise that she made to God that that she would dedicate him to the Lord for life. So in other words, she would take him to. Remember the temple's not been built yet, so the tent of meeting. She would take him there. He would be raised uh, by the priests there, right, and and he would learn to serve the Lord. And she made that promise to him. And notice, don't don't miss when she does this. The text says, while he was still young, like he's he's a little kid, man. He's like, I mean, think about those little kids back there. He is a little kid. And it kind of begs this question, like, why did she do this? Why did she take her little boy after she's waited so long and she's cried over this and begged God for a son? Now she finally has one. And as a little kid, she takes him to uh, the tent of meeting to be raised by priests. She gets, still gets to visit him, but she's like, I mean, she follows through this with, with this as a, when he's a little kid. And it's like, why? Why didn't she wait? And the reason for that is, hear me on this. The reason for that is, God wasn't halfway faithful to her, so she didn't want to be halfway faithful to him. God was not halfway faithful to her, so she did not want to be halfway faithful to him. See, this woman, she knew the Lord. She knew him. She loved him, and she trusted him. And because she knew him, because she honestly loved him and honestly trusted him, knew he was faithful, listen to me, she was glad to obey She was glad to obey. Again, not out of obligation, out of opportunity. This woman was glad to obey him. As he is always faithful. And so as we keep going in this story, Samuel is being raised. She takes him to the tent of beating. Remember, the the temple's not been built yet. He's being raised by the priest. The high priest at that point in time is Eli. So Eli is the one that's raising Samuel, and you would think that the high priest, like the priest would be similar to Hannah, right? Like Hannah is kind of this picture of faithfulness, obedience to God, again, not perfection, you need to understand, not perfection, but faithfulness and obedience to God. So it's like it makes sense that Eli, the high priest, right that's going to raise her son, would be the same. But what we're going to find out as we keep on diving into the text, is Eli is Eli's actually the polar opposite in a lot of ways, and so are his kids check this out verse uh, this is chapter 2 uh, verse 12 chapter 2 verse 12 it says eli's son so eli remember he's the high priest he's raising samuel eli's sons were wicked men they did not respect the lord so in other words these men these men just cared about themselves they cared about themselves they didn't care what anybody else did what anybody else said um they wanted to do whatever they wanted to do And and what's really bad about this is the fact that Eli is the high priest. His sons are also priests. So they're acting like this. They're doing all kinds of crazy, corrupt things. We're going to get a picture of one of those things here in just a moment. But that's not even the only thing. They did all kinds of crazy things. These guys were messed up, all kinds of evil. All right, They did all these things. But what's worse is they did it as priests. These guys were priests, and they were like blunt I mean obvious, they didn't even try to hide it. They didn't care who saw it, they didn't care what anybody had to say. And as you read about these guys, like it kind of reminds when I was reading, it reminded me of Samson, honestly. We talked about Samson a few weeks ago. We dove into his wife for a couple of weeks, and we talked about how Samson was this emotionally driven rebel did whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted, regardless of of anybody else, didn't care about advice, nothing else. And these guys are the same, only these guys are priests. They're priests serving the Lord, or at least they're supposed to be. And by the way, when it says these men were, were wicked men, the literal translation for that is sons of wickedness. That's the literal translation. They were sons of wickedness, which tells us a couple of things. Like, first off, it tells us that these guys weren't just, like, halfway evil. They weren't, like, straddling the fence. You know what I mean? Like, like, you know, straddling the fence. They do crazy, corrupt things sometimes, but then there's, like, this turmoil inside of them. Like, no, 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 I I I need to serve the Lord. You know, it wasn't like that, dude. These guys had sprinted way past the fence a long time ago, and they didn't care. There was no remorse. They were not looking back. They were wicked through and through. That's what this is telling us. But then it's also telling us something else. It's kind of pointing us back to their good old dad, Eli, right? They're sons of wickedness. It's showing us that, like, man, Eli kind of has something to do with this as well. Maybe it's not just his sons that are wicked. There's something going on with Eli, too. And just to kind of give you a quick snapshot, there's a lot of different things, but again, for the sake of time, I want to give you a quick snapshot of how corrupt, how messed up these guys really were. This is uh, chapter 2, uh, verse 22. It says, Now Eli was very old he heard about everything his sons were doing to all Israel and how they were sleeping, catch this, sleeping with the women who served at the entrance to the tent of meeting. So again, man, they, and this isn't the only thing, they were doing all kinds of crazy things, but here's the thing, we don't need to know what else they were doing. Like this is crazy. These dudes were straight sleeping with women at the, like women that were supposed to be helping them serve the Lord. And these women, they served the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting, right? The presence of God. And most likely, the text doesn't say this, but most likely, where were they probably doing this? Probably in the tent of meeting, in the presence of the Lord, man. These guys, again, they did whatever they wanted. They didn't care what anybody else thought. They, They just did whatever they wanted. And they had no respect for anybody. Like, they definitely didn't respect these women, Because again, I mean, the text doesn't say this, but it kind of leads us to believe that these guys, they're priests, so they're probably using their authority as priests to kind of like manipulate these women into sleeping with them and probably in the tent of meeting, in the presence of God, right? No respect for these women. But then even more than that, they have no respect for God whatsoever. They don't care. And the text actually tells us that. No respect for God whatsoever. And what's really sad about this is it also tells us that Eli knew. Like, Eli knew what was going on. Obviously, these guys were, like, pretty obvious with this stuff, probably pretty frequent, pretty obvious, We're got around. This was no mystery, right? Eli, the high priest, who is not only their father, he is the high priest, right? He's essentially, like, the head pastor of the entire nation at that point in time. But he does nothing to stop this. Like, if you keep on reading right after that, we're not for the sake of time, but if you keep on reading for just a moment, It looks like Eli might actually do something. It looks like he's trying to call him out. Like, boys, look, you know you're not supposed to be doing that. You shouldn't do that. You know, and he kind of calls him out a little bit, but then it stops there. Like, it goes no further than that. He does nothing to stop this. He essentially gives him a slap on the wrist. And so through his actions, Eli, the high priest, was essentially turning a blind eye to all of this crazy stuff. And again, these guys were priests. And it begs the question of why. Why would Eli, the high priest, let this stuff go on and do nothing about it? The reason is because Eli didn't really respect God either. Eli didn't, None of these guys respected God. See, the leadership, the overall leadership, the priest at this point in time, Eli being the high priest, the senior pastor of the entire nation, none of them respected God. It's kind of like in this scene, the nation of Israel is, is still kind of the same as, as, the, as the period of Judges. If you remember the very last verse, and we hit on that last week, the very last verse that we get to in Judges, it says, in in those days there was no king. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. It's the same thing that's going on here. And not just the people, it's the priests too. Everyone is doing whatever they want. It's pure anarchy. It's purely just corrupt and evil. No one cares about anybody else but themselves. Nobody cares about God. Nobody respects him whatsoever, even the priests. And uh, let's keep on going. Verse 26, by contrast, and when we see this, when you're reading the word and you, you, you see words like by contrast, man, please make sure that should pop out at you. right? Like, like if you circle words, if you highlight things, whatever, put a little star, asterisk, whatever you want to do, right? Draw a little picture. Do whatever you need to do because that word, when you see that, it should pop out at you, okay? So, so by contrast, the boy, Samuel, grew in stature and in favor with the Lord and with people. Again, don't miss the words by contrast. So what this is saying is like the complete opposite. The complete opposite. It's the complete opposite of what? The complete opposite of Eli and his jacked up sons, man. These evil, evil dudes, these guys that were evil through and through. Samuel, by contrast, was the complete opposite. And so what does that mean? Samuel actually loved the Lord. He actually loved the Lord. He actually trusted him, and he looked at um, faithfulness to him as obedience to God, as an opportunity, not as an obligation. That's how Samuel was, and who does that remind us of? Who does that remind us of? It's definitely not Eli and his messed up sons, right? Sleeping with random women on the side. It's definitely not them. Who does this remind us of? It reminds us of his mom. It reminds us of Hannah. Right? see... See, what happens, Samuel goes to this place and he's raised by these corrupt people, these corrupt priests, as a young kid. And we got to wrap our heads around this. He is a young little boy at this point in time. He has seen all this happen. Like, this was no mystery. Eli knew about it. Everybody knows what's going on. These dudes are messed up. And and obviously, Samuel would have seen this. So he's being raised by these guys. He's seen how priests act. And they're, they're kind of in this position of authority. So he very easily could have been impacted by that. That could have left a mark on him, and he could have been raised to do the same thing, thinking, oh, I can do whatever I want, right? They do whatever they want, so I can do whatever I want, too. But he didn't. Why? It's because he had seen what true faithfulness and what true obedience to God looks like through his mom, and it left a mark on his life. It's, hear me, you never know the kind of impact that you can make on a person's life. or or what God will do with the seeds that you plant in the people's lives around you. You never know. Like, don't ever for one second think that your actions don't matter, that that they're not noticed, or that God won't use like little acts of faith to impact change in your life or the people's lives around you. Don't ever think that. Hear me on this. He can, he will, and guess what? He is. He is, whether you know it or not. Okay, I mean like, telling somebody about Jesus, telling somebody about the gospel, doing something kind, you know, showing the love of Christ, not just, not just telling them about it. Here's the thing. What about just like actually smiling at somebody, Tell, you know, say, saying something nice to somebody, just smiling at somebody when they go down the road? Do you never know what God could do with that? Like a lot of times we use these excuses like I don't have time, I can't do a lot, what's it going to matter? You know, we're so so worried about our own issues rather than being joyful through the trials. You know, unlike Hannah, we're just bogged down and depressed and victim mentality, woe is me, and we're not actually keeping our eyes open, our spiritual eyes open to what's going on around us. Listen, like honestly, we don't know what God will do with the things, our actions, the things that we do around us. It could be a simple smile at somebody as they're crossing the street. Maybe, they're deaf. Maybe they think nobody notices them. All of a sudden, you look at them. You smile at them. It opens them up. That light of Christ is all of a sudden shining from you into them. And they're like all of a sudden like kind of you know, opening up a little bit. And you go on your way. You never see them again. But what you don't know is an hour later, somebody's going to come up. They're going to share the gospel with them. And they're actually open to receive it because you planted a seed. Because you planted it, so you never know the kind of impact that you can make on somebody's life, just like Hannah made an impact on her little boy's life, even without being able to raise him past just a very, very young age. You never know. Let's keep on going. Uh, we're, in, uh, we're in chapter 3 now. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. It says, The boy Samuel served the Lord in Eli's presence. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare, and prophetic visions we not widespread. One day, Eli, whose eyesight was failing, was lying in his usual place. Okay, so, so this isn't a shocker, right? Like this should not shock us. I mean, th- think about this. The entire nation is corrupt. They're doing whatever they want to do. The priests are sleeping with random women, right? I mean, nobody cares. Nobody has any respect for the Lord. And as a result, there's spiritual silence in the land right like, like there's spiritual silence and it. it's almost as if god is just like going radio silent like he's not speaking to his people whatsoever there's just complete spiritual silence in the land that's what it looks like from the outside looking in but the question that we need to ask ourselves is is this a result of god going radio silent of god just not speaking to his people whatsoever is that really what's happening here or or is it a result of god's people just not listening which is it? Is God not speaking anymore at all, or are his people not listening? Because here's the thing. What we have to understand is, listen, if, when we are too busy or distracted to actually spend time with God to listen to what he has to say, or if we just don't care enough to actually spend time with him and listen to what he has to say, then hear me on this. We shouldn't be surprised if we don't hear his voice. Like, that should not surprise us. And when you're in a nation like they were, when you're in a nation that is just drowning, just submerged in people who are spiritually deaf and spiritual blind, then it's not just the, the voice and the vision of God that's going to be void in that place. Guys, hear me. It's going to be the, the, the mission of God. It's going to be the movement of God that's going to be void. And so, so what do I mean by that? What do I mean by the movement of God? man? I mean when revival's happening. I mean, when evangelistic outpouring is happening, when God's people are acting like God's people and it's impacting change in their life, but also in the lives of the people around them. The reason that these people aren't hearing the voice of God, they're they're void of the voice of God, they're void of any kind of vision and they're not seeing the movement of God, hear me on this, it's because they're not seeking him anymore. They're not seeking him. They don't want to hear from him. And they care more about their will, their desires, than they do his. And as a result, their spiritual silence in the entire nation. Let's keep on going. We're going to end with this, chapter 3, verses 3 through 10. It says, before the lamp of God had gone out, Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was located. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, here I am. He ran to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. I didn't call. Eli said, go back and lie down. So we went and lay down. Once again, the Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up, went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. I didn't call you my son. He replied, go back and and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Catch this. He did not yet know the Lord because the Lord, uh, the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Once again, for the third time, the Lord called Samuel. He got up, went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. Then Eli understood that the Lord was calling the boy. He told Samuel, go and lie down. If he calls to you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came, stood there and called as before. Samuel, Samuel. Samuel responded, speak, for your servant is listening. And I love this text, man. There is so much that we can draw from this. But what I want us to do, I want us to kind of hone in on a couple of pictures that we see in this text, okay? Uh, the first picture that I want to hone in as we kind of wrap things up is, is the picture that we see through Samuel and what happens through Samuel's life. Because when we see this picture of Samuel and what God did through, with Samuel and what Samuel did in return... Man, this just is a beautiful picture of how much God longs to speak to his people. Like, listen to me. God wants to speak to you. Like, he wants to speak to you. And that, I mean, look how many times he went, He spoke to Samuel. Time and time and time again. He kept on speaking to him, right? Lovingly, patiently speaking to him and waiting for his response. Time and time again. Samuel. Samuel. And then the fourth time, the fourth time that God calls out to him, what else was he doing? He wasn't just calling out to him. What else was going on? He stood there. He stood there. The God of the universe that created the universe and everything in it, by the way, this is pre-incarnate Jesus, literally comes and stands in this boy's room, and he calls out to him, Samuel, Samuel. This is such a beautiful picture of how much God longs To speak to us. And and remember in this scene, Samuel's just a little kid. He's just a little boy. Like he he doesn't know how to listen to God. He definitely hasn't had good upbringing and teaching on this, right? Like he doesn't know what to do. He's probably scared. He's a little kid. He doesn't know what's going on. He's like insecure. He kept on going to Eli. So obviously he doesn't know. He doesn't know how to listen to God. He doesn't really know how to respond yet. Because he hasn't been taught. But what's so beautiful is he meets him where he's at. He meets him in the middle of his insecurities, in the middle of his his struggles, in the middle of whatever, uh, the things that he's struggling with, in the middle of the, even the fact that he couldn't, he didn't know how to listen to him, he didn't know how to respond to him, yet he met him where he was at. And hear me guys, God will do the same thing for you. He'll do the exact same thing for you. That's what he does. He meets us where we are at. It's not about you know, uh, making our way to God, doing enough good things. It's not about waiting until you've, you've uh, you know, achieved a certain level of, of sobriety or, or like uh, you know, got enough scripture memorized or anything like that. He meets you where you're at, in the middle of your muck, in the middle of your struggles and your hardship. The only thing that Samuel did in this text... The only thing this kid did that, again, he's scared. He's insecure. He doesn't know how to listen. He doesn't know how to respond. The only thing that Samuel did was he was seeking God, and he was listening. He was seeking him, and he was listening. And I'm reminded reminded—I'm reminded of Jeremiah 29, 13, which says, and this is God telling us that you will seek me, and you f- will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Not in perfection, but when we honestly seek him. And that's what Samuel did. And guys, listen to me. When we do the same thing, when we honestly seek God, and we honestly take the time to listen, again, not in perfection, even through the fears, uh, through the doubts, through the worries, through the struggle, in the middle of those things, when we honestly take the time to seek him and to listen, then what will happen, man, listen to me, his voice will become so overwhelmingly tangible in your life that just just like Samuel in this scene, You won't be able to help but just to like call out to him and say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. But we have to be willing to take the time to seek him and to listen. And then the last picture I I want us to kind of hone in, and we're going to wrap up with this one, is is the picture that we see through Eli. Because with Eli, man, don't miss the fact that Eli did not uh, catch the fact that this was God that was talking to Samuel. I mean, like, God calls out to Samuel several times. It took three times for Eli to recognize that this was God. And the reason that's so significant is, again, Eli's the high priest. Eli is essentially like the lead pastor over this nation. And it took him all of these times to finally catch on to the fact that, wait wait a second, I think that might be be God speaking to, to Samuel, right? But, but even more than that, what's worse than that is notice nothing in this text ever says that Eli also heard the voice of the Lord. He never, why is that? It's because he didn't. Eli did not hear God, only Samuel did. And you guys hear me on this, in love, the vast majority of us, not just in this church, but the vast majority of us globally as a Christian body, as the body of Christ, are more like Eli than we are like Samuel. We are, the vast majority of us honestly have trouble hearing the voice of the Lord. We do. And, and there's so many reasons for this, but, but I think a couple of the main reasons that we struggle with this so much that causes like this spiritual uh, deafness is for one, distraction, but then also pride. We are so distracted and we get so prideful. We, we get distracted by, you know, I mean, anything and everything, our busy schedules our work, our, you know, uh, our hobbies, our desires. Here's another one. What about, I wish I had my, my phone up here. You, like, what about like, you know, technology? and you know, even, Listen, I'm not saying those are bad things. I'm saying even good things. But what we do is we start using good things for bad reasons, and we start getting consumed in those, spending so much time with those things, we start getting distracted by anything and everything. We start, if we're not distracted, we start looking for distractions. And we have no time left over for God. Not spending time with him, definitely not listening to him. Or, and I should really say and, we get so prideful. We get so prideful that we think that we don't need him. And we start seeking our will rather than God's will. And as a result, rather than crying out to him, Lord, uh, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening, we say, listen, Lord, for your servant is speaking. so often we get so distracted we get so prideful and we don't listen to the lord and but you guys listen to me until we until we honestly surrender to the fact that god wants to speak to us he wants to speak to every single one of us that he loves us that he wants a relationship with us until we honestly surrender to that until we're honestly willing to seek him and to listen and listen to me we will never hear his voice we won't and you shouldn't be surprised if you don't. And the sad reality is, guys, it's not just that the vast majority of us don't hear his voice. It's that the vast majority of us, again, not just in here, I'm talking about globally, man. The vast majority of us don't even know how to listen anymore. We don't. And, and love, if you're here today and you're like, dude, what do you mean listening to the Lord? Like, I'm hearing this story. Samuel heard him audibly like is that what you're talking about like hearing the audible voice of God listen in love if that's you and you're like struggling with this what do you mean by hearing the voice of God he's speaking what does that mean let me kind of like flesh this out let me let me kind of give you some practical examples of what this means because audibly God speaking audibly to us yes he still does that but the vast 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 majority of the time that's not how he speaks to us and I'll be very transparent with you I have never once heard the audible voice of God I'm not, if he, Like, if he wants to speak to me, man, I am all for Like, God, please speak. I am all for that, okay? But the vast majority of the time, that's not what he does. It's not, but, but he speaks to us in so many different ways, just a few practical ways. Some of the, some of the, the main ways that he speaks to us is, is, for one, through his word. Through his word, man. Like, like, as we dive into his word and we're reading it, and man, don't just read through it and skim it, man. Like, like pray through it pray before pray during pray after like lord reveal yourself to me reveal like what is it that you want me to learn what does it want you want me to what are you saying to me through this text how do you want me to respond how do you want me to apply this to my life listen that's one of the reasons that it's so important for us to get into the word on a consistent basis not just because it's a roadmap to god it it teaches us about god it teaches us how he wants us to be as his people right and so many other things but it's also because it's One of the main ways that God speaks to us is through his word. And so if you are depriving yourself of the word of God, God, one of the many things that you are depriving yourself of is his voice. It's his voice to pray through it. And something else is is the Holy Spirit, God in us. 100% God, 100% inside of us, convicting us, drawing us closer and closer to God. And he speaks to us in different ways. He draws us. He convicts us of things. He is constantly speaking to us. And something else is, is the family of God, his people, the church, right? Like, listen, that's one of the reasons that, that we are so big on, on the life group and we're going to be uh, uh, launching for community groups here soon. It's because we don't just get together to dive into the word, which is so important. It is so key, that is foundational. But listen to me, if we just get together and all we ever do is dive into the word, do you realize that that's only 50% of what God actually longs for us to do? Why? Because so often the way that God speaks to us is through his people. It's through his people, so we develop these relationships and he speaks to us through his people. Another way is through nature. You know, going out just getting out in God's nature right and and, I mean you ever like gone on a hike or something and it's like you could just feel his presence you just feel him tangibly and it's like you can hear him speaking to you and especially with this this society it's so distracting I love to just go on a hike and just get away man and just pray and just awesome there's so many different ways I mean he is he's not just the creator the author designer and the creator of the universe hear me on this he's the author designer and creator of creativity Meaning that he is creative in the way that he'll speak to you. And every single one of us is unique. If you haven't realized that, we're all unique. And he knows that because he made you. you see, he knows how to uniquely speak to you. And so again, there's tons of ways that he will speak to us. But the most important thing for, for us to understand is the fact that he is speaking to us. He is, speak, he is speaking to you right now. He is speaking to you. And listening. as long as you have breath in your lungs, Jesus will not stop calling out your name. He won't stop calling out your name and waiting patiently for you to respond. And so the question that we're left with is are we willing to listen? Jesus is speaking to you. I'm not just talking to the person in front of you, behind you, your left and your right. Jesus is speaking to you right here, right now. But the question is, are you willing to listen? And if you're willing to listen, then the question becomes, are you willing to respond to whatever it is that he's saying to you? So I'm, I'm going to invite the worship team up. And what I want us to do is just take a few moments, just take some time to listen. To listen to him and ask him, Lord, speak to me. Speak to me, please, and help me to Listen. And then as you listen, I want to encourage you to respond to what it is that he is saying to you. And he will speak to us, guys. He will speak to us. He will tell us how to respond. A lot of times it can even be this, you know, things that are creeping up in our hearts and our minds, things that he's bringing to our attention that are getting louder and louder. And he starts to convict us of things, things that maybe we haven't thought of in a while. Or maybe they're things that we know about, but we've tried to push them back. And they start coming up in our head. And it's like, man, I can't stop thinking about this. That's God speaking to you. It's God speaking to you. And so first off, if you're somebody, you've never made the commitment to Christ, right? Or, or you're like, you know what? I, I, I don't know if I did. You know, maybe I, I, I made some, I prayed some kind of prayer, but I don't know if it was genuine, you know, or whatever, man, listen to me. If that's you today, then what God is speaking to you today, the, the call that Jesus is, is making to you personally, by name, to make that commitment to him to surrender to his love to accept the free gift of grace that he died to give you that's the call that he's making to you that is what he's saying to you And so that response is just to honestly embrace it to surrender the book of Acts it tells us two responses okay two responses repent that word repent it sounds like this big scary word all that means is turning away from anything that we've tried to to make god looking at god like trying to satisfaction fulfillment and all these other things right and putting them on a pedestal in the place of god turning away from those things and turning to god to turning to jesus as our only lord our only savior our only god that's the first response and the second one is baptism so i want to encourage you i'm gonna i'm gonna be standing up here i'd love to talk with you i'd love to pray with you if you have questions just respond he loves you and and again the response time it's not just limited to that it's not just limited to salvation although that's so important it's every one of us it's every one of us as christians the holy spirit lives in us and his job in your life hear me his job in your life is to make you and to mold you more and more into the image of jesus it's an ongoing process and thank god it's an ongoing process because i don't know about you but i don't want to stay in the same mess that i am in right now I want him to keep on making me and molding me. But listen, that's only possible when we respond. So whatever it is, as we stand, and you can stand, you can sit, we're going to take some time, just listen. Just listen, and I want to encourage you to respond. Whatever it is, just put it on your heart. Take that time and to listen, Guys, first off, I just want to say thank you for joining us today for the sermon. And uh, whether you're somebody that's come to our church, or you're somebody that lives locally, you go to another church. Maybe you don't even live here. Um, I just want I just want to say first and foremost, thank you for joining us. And uh, I want to encourage you to to respond in some way today, because you know when we hear a sermon, when we read the Bible, when we um, whatever it may may be, the point of that is. Um, for God to speak to us in some way, shape, or form. And so if you are a Christian, um, you've been a seasoned Christian, you know the Lord already, then the way that we can respond is just by, you know, asking Him, God, what do you want me to do with the convictions that you're giving me uh, based on this sermon, the way that you're speaking to me, what do you want me to do? And then respond to that. Maybe it's an area of your life that you've been holding on to, And and you haven't been giving it to him, but I want to encourage you to give that to him and step out in faith. Or maybe if it's um, you know some unbelief that you've had, and, and God has really convicted you of some things. Um, you know whatever it may be for you it's different for everyone I want to encourage you to respond to God and and step in his direction and and the other thing too is if if you were somebody that maybe you've listened to this and you've never responded to that gospel message you've never been, been impacted by that gospel message but now something is happening God is kind of stirring in your heart and in your mind a little bit then I want to encourage you to step out in faith respond to that gospel message and throughout the book of Acts um, Acts tells us our history as a church. Uh, it shows us that you know, what that response looks like. So number one is to repent. And this word repent, all that means is just to turn from you know, our sinful ways, our sinful desires. You know, turn from making ourself God and all these other things in life God. And turn to God and just give Him our life. Um, and, and then on top of that response, after the repentance, there comes something else. And it's called baptism. And, and baptism is so key. It's so important. It's seen all throughout um, in that book and Acts and, and the importance and significance of it. Um, it's the symbol of death to the old self. And then um, birth to uh, this new life in Christ, and we're 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 uh, we die with Christ to the old self, and we are raised with Christ to to walk in this new life. And it's a command from Jesus. So I want to encourage you, if you have made that commitment to Christ, if you have stepped out um, and you are wanting to follow Christ, then I want to encourage you to take that next step and be baptized somewhere. Whether it's if you have a local church that you want to go be baptized at, I encourage you to do that. Um, If you don't have a church, we would love to be able to celebrate that with you um, here. But I encourage you first and foremost to do that, to to talk with someone, um, to get counsel on what this means, to seek discipleship as well. So um, I encourage you to do those things. We would love to talk with you. We are praying for you. I want you to know that you are loved and you are prayed for. So if you're ready to take that next step in your relationship with Christ, um, and if you want to take that next step with us, then we are, we we would welcome you with open arms. And so there's some links that we're gonna provide below for you. Uh, please check that out. Um, and again, if you if you have any prayer requests, um, please contact us. We'd love to pray with you, we'd love to talk with you, and we're excited about taking this next step with you.